G'day gang, welcome back to Lupine Transmissions for another episode where we talk about all things strange, dark and unusual. Uh, now this is a bit of a different episode, uh, it's somewhat similar to the episode on the Beyond I did uh, a few episodes back that was uh, me on my own, uh, just, just in the spare room with the microphone. There's a couple of other episodes of Lupine Transmissions that are recorded and ready to go, but unfortunately I haven't had time to sit down and work my way through several hours of audio, unfortunately. Um, uh, I'm still sort of new at, at, uh, at a role I took on recently, and so things have been quite chaotic. I've barely had time to kind of clean the house, let alone um, uh, sit down and, and edit some podcasts. Uh, so it's unfortunate in the sense that I, I wanted to have uh, both those episodes out much sooner. But rest assured, they are still coming. There's plenty more of exciting lupine transmission stuff planned, so so don't worry. Uh, I'm not disappearing off the face of the earth or anything like that. Uh, still very much here. Uh, but look, today uh, I'm recording kind of one on my own in, in part uh, as a kind of timely thing. So... Um, look, last year I contributed to a zine uh, called Fuck Your Dreams. Um, now that zine was put together by two women over in Boston in the US, um, Alex and Olivia, uh, you know, want to give a bit of a shout out to them for this. Uh, essentially, I think that they're doing great work putting this scene together, and Volume 2 is coming out very shortly. Um, it's actually coming out on the 20th of April. Now, I wanted to record a reading of the article that I contributed to the last issue, um, essentially to, in part to, to give them a bit of promo, because um, it's, it's always, you know, speaking as someone who's done some of these things himself, uh, it's, it's always hard to get the word out there and get interest going, so I definitely wanted to give them a bit of a boost. Uh, but also I think it, it's really important to support uh, independent creators and independent art. Um, but this, uh, I guess, is sort of a, a way to kind of give back and, and really encourage you to check it check it out. And, um, you know, I hope you enjoy it very much. So the piece I'm going to be reading today is called Ways to the Grave, Death Metal and Teenage Rebirth. So look, I'll give you a bit of context around that. Essentially, I was a bit of an awkward teenager, as I, I've kind of talked about on previous episodes and in other places, and I was very into stuff like Warhammer and role-playing games, and I wasn't a big sporty kid or anything like that. And, and I did sort of find myself not really uh, feeling like I quite knew where I fit in. You know, I was too uncoordinated to go be a skater or something like that, or and... Uh, you know, I wasn't good with the sun, so so surfing was kind of out. Uh, I wasn't a good swimmer either, for that matter. Um, so when you grow up in a, in a coastal town, you know that that does make you stand out a little bit, uh, and not always for the better. So uh, look, I, I don't want to suggest that my ten years were nothing but hell. Like I had I had a lot of fun during my teenage years, but I definitely. Um, struggled with aspects of identity and things like that until I kind of discovered uh, the, the heavy metal, I guess, is in my kind of mid to late teens. Now, don't get me wrong, I don't want to pretend that that scene is perfect and without any problems or anything like that. Um, it's more just that it, it was very significant to me and, and remains very significant to me in many ways, uh, even as someone who's now in my mid-30s. So I, I guess that this article talks a bit about that, and um, I guess without any further ado, I'll, I'll get into the reading. So, Ways to the Grave, 
death metal and teenage rebirth so my first experience with death metal was a visual rather than auditory one I would have been a kid of maybe 9 or 10 and somehow wandered into what I would later realise to be a specialist heavy metal store. Maybe I just thought it was a regular music shop. Memory eludes me. But suddenly I found myself confronted by all manner of intimidating illustrations, leering corpses, demon faces and illegible band names. They covered the CD racks and the posters that hung from the ceiling, gloomy visages that hinted at a world far beyond my own experience. This initial encounter did not last very long before I exited the store. As a slightly sheltered church kid, I didn't really know much about metal beyond the fact that there was a band called Metallica. What I did know was that the store was not for a dorky little kid like me. It was daunting rather than fun. I would not have realised how important all these trappings would become to me by the end of my teens and even to this day. One copy of Obituaries The End Complete was all it took to change everything, it turned out. Yet perhaps it's less surprising than my younger self would have thought. My childhood home was filled with all manner of unusual trappings that dealt with death in one form or another. Lurid true crime books, graphic medical dictionaries, my mother was a nurse, anti-occult cassette tapes and more. I also had a long-standing obsession with ancient Egypt, and while it would be reductive to suggest their culture was entirely about death, their burial and afterlife practices sunk into my young mind indelibly. Even today I have a statue of Anubis in my house, standing in my kitchen as an almost friendly reminder of death's inevitability. My early experiences with the church had also instilled a strong sense that there was something terribly wrong with the way the world was run, and formed me into something of an existentialist years before I had ever heard the term. Grinding poverty and mental illness did very little to alleviate this situation either. Now, I wouldn't like to pretend that there were no happy moments to be had during my childhood, but I was keenly aware that it was not normal. In my late teens, all these factors and more would ultimately coalesce and push me towards death metal, along with all other manner of extreme music. I finally felt as though I had an outlet for all the complicated, conflicted and contrary feelings I had developed over a lifetime of poverty, depression and religious trauma. The mere fact that someone, many in fact, was out there acknowledging such feelings existed and not pretending that the world was all sweetness and light was a revelation in itself. In spite of the seemingly unwelcoming imagery, it felt like I had found a home. I don't think it was any one element in particular that drew me in as a teenager. As someone who felt different and often isolated from their peers, though really which teenager doesn't, I appreciated having an easy means to signal this to the outside world. And not everyone is so lucky to have such a refuge, I will add too. Now, metal is far from the only music or art that deals with such subject matter, but it was the form that resonated with me the most as a youth and in many ways continues to resonate most with me today. I was fortunate in hindsight that my parents put very few restrictions around what I read or listened to, though TV tended to be another matter when I was younger. <laughs> Many fellow fans have much more difficult obstacles a place ahead of their enjoyment, as with any art form dealing with ostensibly quote-unquote extreme subjects and imagery, death metal is surrounded by all manner of misconceptions in the public eye. Now, while not the media bugbear that it was in, say, the 80s or the 90s, It does attract periodic attention, and it's really positive. The genre and its representatives have rarely done much to quote-unquote help on this front. While far from the only images present in the genre, it's fair to say that the 
depictions of violence, death, occultism, and gore feature pretty heavily. Now, such imagery is multifaceted. It's a warning for those who don't get it, a litmus test for prospective listeners, and some old-fashioned pro-wrestling-style kayfabe. Similar sentiments are echoed in associated media. Band interviews used to talk shit on poses, re-emphasize just how quote-unquote true they are, and contrast the quote-unquote falseness of outsiders. And not all of this imagery is created with the same intent, either. The cover of Carcass's Reek of Putrefaction is aiming for an entirely different message than the cover of Cannibal Corpse's Tomb of the Mutilated, but it's easy to see how the nuance can be lost to an outsider. It requires a level of genre fluency that many are, perhaps understandably, not willing to cultivate. Extreme music for extreme people, as Morbid Angel once sagely noted on a t-shirt. Controversy comes in ebbs and flows, and even within the metal community, such material can be divisive. Irrespective of wider trends or moral panics, death metal remains an auditory form of memento mori, serving as a reminder of our fragility, mortality, and inevitable passing. Yet it revels in this fact, rather than seeing it as something to be covered over or ashamed of. Perhaps if more of our culture realised this, we would be healthier for it. So look, I want to thank you for listening to that short reading today. Um, like I said, uh, I really encourage you to pick up the next issue of Fuck Your Dreams Zine. Uh, I'm pretty sure issue one's all sold out now, but issue two will be available next week. You can jump online at www.fuckyourdreamszine.com. Uh, I'll make sure I put a link in that. I'll make sure I put a link to that in the show notes. Uh, and pick up a copy there when it's out next weekend. Uh, you'll also be able to pick up various other merchandise like stickers, and I believe they put some art prints together too. Um, but yeah, I really encourage you to check it out, and I hope you stay tuned for the next issue of Lupine Transmissions as well. Uh, in the interim, I'd definitely suggest you go and check out some of the other podcasts on the Ox Network as well. Uh, obviously, Shelf Life, the Toy Collectors Podcast, Discographology, which is presented by Springfield, Missouri Band. More of that, where they talk through the discographies of some of their favorite bands and and some of their not-so-favorites, too. And also, Are You There Pod, uh, which is a podcast dealing with young adult literature from the 70s, 80s, and 90s, hosted by my friends Jess and Josh. Oh, and I also recommend Scrambled Transmissions uh, by my friend Adam, which deals with anthology TV. Uh, thank you again for listening today, guys. Really appreciate it. Uh, we'll be back to our regular schedule soon, but I just wanted to make sure I put this out there to uh, to promote some of the work that Alex and Olivia are doing. And look, I, I hope you all have a fantastic week, and I'll be in touch with you again soon. Mm-hmm.